when I feel like I want to worry, I can simply worship my way into a place of prayer and God will give me peace that passes understanding. How do you find and keep hope alive? I will find hope in what Jesus Christ did for me. Do we believe? My hope is centered totally, completely in Him. Do we trust? I have hope today because of what Jesus did on the cross. His hope doesn't change. Hope is triumphant. I'll try. I'll try. We are honored to have Clayton King in studio with us today. Clayton, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to stop by and talk for a minute. Oh, there's nothing I love more than Christian Radio and Billy Graham and 106.9 The Light and talking. So combine (laughs) all those things and I am in my zone right now. We want to get your perspective as a pastor and you personally, what is it that fills you back up after you've done a season of really hard ministry? What are those things for you? Well, my personality is uh, extreme extrovert and I'm verbal, Mm -hmm. very, very verbal. So for me, the greatest way someone can can show me appreciation is just to verbalize that they're praying for me, yeah. uh, to tell me that they appreciate what I do. Uh, there's a fine balance that pastors have to strike between we, we do what we do because God has called us to do it, and we don't want to be the center of the show, and we don't want to be the star. Jesus is the star, and right. we have to be careful that we don't eclipse the gospel or the person of Jesus with our personalities or our giftings. But at the same time, it is important that we give encouragement and that we receive encouragement. And so, uh, you know, when someone gives me a $5 Starbucks gift card, that that means a lot. But I'll say of all the things that someone could do for me as a pastor Mm -hmm. to show me they appreciate me, the number one thing that says the most to me that fills my heart up is if they're good to my wife and my kids. Mm. If someone encourages my wife, Shari... If someone encourages my boys, Jacob and Joseph, mm-hmm. if someone, you know, just walks up to them and puts their hand on their shoulder or sends them an encouraging text, that means more to me than just about anything in the world. Because oftentimes in a pastor's life, it's the spouse and the children that bear a lot of the weight of ministry that no one ever sees. Right. Let's talk about that just for a minute. What is it that you wish the average person knew about a pastor and that, that that job and that calling. What is it that you wish that they knew that they often forget? Um, my, my next book is going to probably be on this. Okay. And uh, so I can answer that question pretty, pretty clearly from my own heart. I wish people knew how hard mm. and how good mm. pastoring really is. Mm. It's harder than I ever dreamed, yeah. but it's better than I ever imagined. Mm. And so, again, it's one of those wrestling matches that a pastor has to have internally with How much transparency do you show your people about the realities of ministry, Mm -hmm. the bouts with depression, Mm. the struggles with loneliness? Mm. A majority of pastors, when surveyed, this is uh, according to Lifeway Research and Barna, a majority of pastors say they have no close personal friends and no one they can talk to. Mm. And so uh, a pastor, and, and I know this in my own life, it's difficult to know who you can share your struggles with. Because I've suffered with depression. I struggle with it for years. Uh, I'm not, I'm, God has healed me from it. I'm delivered from it now. That doesn't mean that I won't go through another season of discouragement or sometimes moments of despair. But when a pastor feels lonely or if a pastor feels anx- anxious, if we feel like we don't really know who we can talk to, then the quandary is, who do you tell? Because if you tell someone in your church, there's this voice in the back of your head that says, you shouldn't tell them because you're supposed to be their pastor. They're not supposed to be your pastor. Right. And so oftentimes pastors like myself and others that I know and love, 
we will connect with other pastors mm. who will become our best friends who are outside of our geography. Mm-hmm. So w- where we are right now in Western North Carolina, one of my best friends lives over an hour away from me and he pastors a church here mm-hmm. in this region. And we understand each other. We go through some of the same struggles. Right. Now, I will say at my church at New Spring, where I'm one of many pastors, some of my best friends are pastors on staff with me at New Spring. Yeah. So I wish that everyone could know that we love what we do mm. and we love shepherding people and we love being there with them and the good times and the struggles. It is the most fulfilling calling on our lives. But we're humans, too. Mm. We're not super Christians. We struggle with sleep. Mm -hmm. We struggle with our weight. Mm -hmm. We struggle with our emotions. Mm -hmm. We struggle with insecurities and jealousies. Just because we're pastors doesn't mean we're perfect. Mm -hmm. And so it's really good to be able to say that to your people. And uh, for me, as an extreme extrovert, I kind of wear my my heart on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, the struggle is not telling people what I struggle with. It's Mm -hmm. pulling back and not telling too much. There are other pastors who are very cautious to share anything from the stage. And just as an example, a pastor told me recently, if I told people in my church what I really felt and what I really struggle with, it would get back to my deacons and I'd be fired within a month. Mm. And, and I challenged him on that. I, you know, I think he was in a place where emotionally he was spent and worn out and he was probably assuming some things about his church that weren't true. But I also said this to him, that you have to trust someone Mm. And we all know that Jesus is our friend and our Savior. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and our God. Our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally. But for pastors, it's important to have a human being besides your wife Mm. to talk to. My wife is my chief advisor. She doesn't have the title of pastor, but my wife is my pastor. Mm -hmm. She's my shepherd. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd, but in Mm -hmm. human flesh, my wife is that one person I tell everything to. But I also have to have brothers that I can sit around a fire pit, Mm -hmm. that I can eat a steak with, that I can sit on the tailgate of a pickup truck out in the woods before we go on a clay shoot. And I can say, you know, this has been a really hard week. I had a funeral. I'm dealing with someone that's getting divorced. Uh, I'm not sleeping well. I hurt my back. Those are real life issues that everyone faces. And pastors are not excluded because we're real people too. That's such a good, such a good word. How has all of the pandemic changed the pastorate because it has. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of churches have had to pivot and do different things and and incorporate new technologies. I know with your church, you guys were already doing some of that, so yeah. it probably wasn't as big of a curve for you. But how has that changed the pastorate to not be able to meet with your people during all, the pandemic? All my best friends are pastors, mm-hmm. um, so I've talked to dozens of them. Mm -hmm. And I've also read the articles that Lifeway and Barna are putting out now based on some of the data that pastors are communicating about what the last seven or eight months has been like. And it's been really tough. Mm -hmm. It's been really tough on pastors. Mm -hmm. Um, The way it's changed, it's hard to even quantify the ways it's affected, not just church, but the way pastors lead. It's already hard enough for a pastor to stay connected to their congregation without a pandemic making it even more difficult. So the people that we preach to on Sundays, the people that we shepherd and care for in the hospitals, it's already a challenge 
to get their attention for an hour on Sunday morning mm. because Facebook and Amazon Prime, because Netflix and Google, they've got the algorithms that they've developed. These big tech companies are now taking people's attention. And social media, on top of that, it's just really hard to get someone to tune in and listen, even to attend church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So now you add a pandemic where people are, are oftentimes afraid of whether or not they're going to catch a virus or they're not sure if they're going to be safe if they do gather together with their people on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so like like all other pastors, what we did at New Spring is we tried to figure out different ways to keep our people connected. So some churches that didn't have a social media presence, that didn't have a YouTube channel, that didn't have a website or didn't have an, an opportunity for people to watch online have now had to scramble and figure all that out. Mm-hmm. And there are some pretty easy fixes to bridge that gap. But what we're trying to really work through now, both at our church at New Spring, but also just collectively from pastors from small country churches to to inner city churches and everything in between, is we're trying to figure out what ministry is going to look like if and when the pandemic does subside. No one knows how long it's going to last. No one knows exactly what the right thing to do right now is, mm-hmm. whether we wear masks and we practice social distancing in different states or have different rules and regulations because of the number of cases. And so we want to be careful and cautious that we want to protect people's lives and make their safety a priority. But we're really all just sort of trying to figure out, figure this thing out as we go. In the days to come, pastors are going to have to be better problem solvers. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to work more with the teams of staff and volunteers that we have at our churches. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to listen to our people because even at our church, we opened back up seven or eight weeks ago, I think. And we just opened up our kids ministry this past week, but we still have protocols and our people are wearing masks. Some people don't feel comfortable coming. And what we've noticed is that we're at about 50% capacity right now of what we were prior to COVID some people are waiting until there's a vaccine. Some people are waiting until there's no more mask mandate. Right. And so we have to listen to our people because isn't that what a good shepherd does? Mm. They know their sheep. Mm. And so my prayer for my friends who are pastors and the pastors I've never met that I do love and respect is that we'll have one of my seminary professors said this. Every pastor needs a TH degree, tender heart, mm. tough hide. <laughs> so we need to keep our hearts tender to the people that we shepherd. But we also have to have a tough skin because no matter what pastors do and decide right now, we're going to offend someone. Someone's not going to agree with the decision that we make. And and some of it's politics and some of it's social media and some of it is just frustration because of where we are as a culture and a world right now. Mm -hmm. And so pastors need to keep that tender heart Mm -hmm. of loving our people and not becoming angry or bitter when people send that that email or they make that comment or they say something on social media that they don't agree with. But we have to also make sure that, that our, that our skin is tough and that we remember we're ultimately doing this for Jesus, whether people agree with what we're doing or not, Mm -hmm. we just have to pray for wisdom and do the best that we can with the information we have. Such a good answer. Um, I realize this next question is like opening the gate on a caged lion, because um, I know you and I know you have the heart of an evangelist. So I'm going to ask you this question. I am baiting you somewhat. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> so I want you to, to speak your heart on why the church is important now, because some of those same statistics that you were talking about are saying people are leaving the church. Yeah. They're not going to come back to church. And so why now? Why is it important for the church to be the church right now in history? 
you know, there will be folks that leave the church. Mm-hmm. We, we know that. The data points that out. That just means we go after them. Yeah. And the church is, has always, traditionally and historically, been good at figuring out how to reach people who are outside the kingdom of God. Mm. If you go back to um, the the ancient church, Rodney Stark wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And in this book, he's a historian from Baylor. And he he proves that the reason why the church became the powerhouse that it was historically is how we acted and reacted in times of great crisis. The black plagues, the bubonic plagues, Mm -hmm. the plagues that took one third of all life out of Europe When other people were leaving the big cities, the churches were staying in the cities and caring for the sick. And so we as the church today have this spirit of Christ in us Mm -hmm. that we don't run from difficulty. We run into it. And so I am an evangelist. It's why I love Billy Graham. It's why I love 106.9 The Lights. why I love Will and all of your team here. So as an evangelist, I'm always trying to think of ways that we can be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. The church has always been about a a dual approach to evangelism. Come and see, go and tell. Mm. So as the church, we need to create worship services. We need to create programs. We need to create a church experience where lost people would see value in coming and seeing who we are and what we do. Mm -hmm. The songs that we sing, the sermons that we preach, the, the kids' programs we provide, those are important aspects of the come and see uh, perspective of evangelism, mm-hmm. but come and see is not enough. We also are people who go and tell. That means if I'm in line at Target buying groceries, I'm inviting that person at the checkout counter, uh, that young man or young woman who's taking my credit card. I'm inviting them to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Shame on me if anybody at my church invites more people to church than me because I'm <laughs> one of the pastors. Mm-hmm. So it's come and see and go and tell. And and we have this great opportunity now to get creative in activating our people to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. At our church, our mission statement is New Spring is a life-giving church marked by the presence of God activating us to impact others. Mm. If we don't activate our people to go outside the four walls of the church and impact others through good deeds, through kindness, through acts of, of mercy, through the way that we treat others, through the way that we fight against racism, through mm. the way that we show the love of Christ. When when we're cheering for our kids at a ball game, <laughs> yeah. preaching to myself here, <laughs> these are some practical ways that we can impact others. That's the moment we find ourselves in right now. And I'll tell you, Carol, for me, I believe our best days as the church are still ahead of us because we do our best work when we're activated on mission for the gospel. What better time than right now when people are questioning institutions, they're questioning truth, they're questioning who they can trust, and people are thinking about eternity because so many people are are watching the news and they're scared of this virus. Well, we as believers and followers of Jesus can live in faith and we can share the hope of eternity because ultimately whether or not you die from a virus or old age or you get hit by a bus— We'll all stand before God one day. Right. And this gives us the opportunity to share the hope of the gospel. I knew I knew that was what you were going to say is the heart <laughs> of an evangelist. I love it. And just as we kind of wrap up thinking about October and Pastor Appreciation Month, if you could go back and tell your younger ministry self something that you wish you had known from the beginning, what would that be? Pray more and worry less. Mm. 
pray more and worry less. Oh. I'm I'm in the process right now of trying to memorize Matthew chapter six. I confess I have uh, as a busy person. Um, Enneagram three. I love the party. I love success and achievement. I wake up at five a.m. and I'm ready to go. And in my busyness, mm-hmm. I have neglected the the the, the memorization of scripture. Yeah. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus literally tells the people in the Sermon on the Mount on the Sea of Galilee, these poor Jewish peasants, do not worry. Mm. He says it four times in that passage. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. And so I would tell my younger ministry self, the things I've worried about over the last 35 years, because mm. I'm almost 48 and I started when I was 14, I've worried about things that I can't control. And I have stressed over things that God is already attending to. Mm-hmm. And in my life now, as I'm closer to 50 than I am 40, God has never let me down. He's never broken a promise. His provision has always come through, sometimes at the last minute, at the 11th hour. When I feel like I want to worry, I can simply worship my way into a place of prayer, and God will give me peace that passes understanding. So I hope that's an encouragement to every pastor listening and I hope that's an encouragement to all of us who love our pastors. Let's pray for our pastors that we would, as pastors, not worry about the things that only God can change. Such good stuff. Such good stuff. Now, if people want to listen in, maybe peek in on your Sunday morning church services, how can they do that? How can oh, they yeah. find you, Clayton? Two different ways. Uh, newspring.cc, that's our church website. And we have audio and video uh, sermons on there free of charge. And then if you're interested in some of the sermons I've preached from Liberty University or from our Crossroads summer camps, uh, I have a, a trove of sermons going back over over a decade at ClaytonKing.com. So and those are the two ways they can connect. It is time well spent, let me just say. I know you won't say that about yourself, but I have listened to many, many of your sermons, and they are always good, fruitful stuff. So yeah, thank you God. for continuing to proclaim the gospel, and thank you for being encouragement to not only people who are in your church, but pastors around the area. We love you, and yeah. you and Shari mm-hmm. are welcome here anytime. We feel like y'all are family. Well, we are family, and we love you guys, and I pray for you all the time, and I'm thankful for this radio station. It's such a bright light in such a dark world. Thank you, Clayton. Thanks.